Okay, so I want to back up a little bit and go back where we were last week, if you remember. <clears throat> we were t I was talking about the effects of the fourth seal from, Re from Revelation, how uh, God had given authority to the rider on the fourth horse to kill 25% of the population uh, by... Um, The sword, which we call aggression, uh, famine, pestilence, which we would call like our pandemic, and wild beast. But I had reminded you how God, it was the nature of God routinely, or at least previously, maybe not routinely, but previously, He had used these same effects to free man. He, in Egypt, He used these to free man from slavery from being enslaved to the Egyptians. That's how he brought them out of there to head toward the promised land. We read in Daniel and Ezekiel and, and uh, Jeremiah where the same effects were used to free man from their worship of pagan gods, to bring, if you will, bring correction to man <coughs> concerning uh, their worship of pagan gods, their... Uh, infiltration or, or um, coordinated efforts with the world, the way they had abandoned the ways of God for the ways of the world. And God used these things to bring them to a place of reconciliation to Him and repentance and returning to the ways of God. And I pointed out that <clears throat> all through Scripture we talk about the characteristic of God of being a reconciler. Our problem is we tend to want to reconcile back to what we know. And God's idea of reconciliation is to reconcile you to himself, but also to restore you to the original intent of God, what God's original intent was for mankind. And if we oversimplify that, what we would say is God's desire is that his glory would be carried in mankind here on earth. If it, that's a, a super over, oversimplification of it. But God desired that he, His glory would be reflected in His creation and in particular in His heirs, you as the heirs of, the, of God, that you would be. And He gave that, he, he put His Spirit in all of creation, you are the only thing He put His Spirit in that is capable of doing that. And so we have been carried through a refinement process of trying to refine us to be able to carry that glory of God. So the reality is God is trying to, I say, free us from us. Free us from the ways of the world. Make us aware that we are part of a kingdom. If you remember in Jesus' conversation with Pontius Pilate, we are of a kingdom that is not of this world. We are in this world, but we are of a kingdom not of this world. You're not American. You're not Texan. You're not uh, South African or whatever nation you come from. You are a son of God who, uh, res whose residence and citizenship is in a kingdom that is not of this world. Now, the, in the process of freeing us from ourselves, in these things coming forth, in famine and, 
and the hardships that come forth, there's a couple of things that's going on. Number one, God is, I, I believe, God is calling us to a level of repentance. We, even as the children of God, have been deceived and have bought into the ways of the world. And I believe God is still calling us out of that. As, as He matures us, as sons of God, He's calling and asking us to lay down our pagan worship. And I don't think we even realize how much that pagan worship has come into us and how much we've corrupted the ways of God. We've picked up the ways of the world. We use it for insurance and banking and finance and all that. And we just buy into it and we think that's the way it's supposed to be. But that's not what God intended. He has his own economy that comes in. We have picked up false gods and we, to say it in the Old Testament terms, he says, and you have committed adultery with false gods. The way we have done that is we have created idols out of different things. Think about our adoration of movie stars, political stars, athletic stars. I mean, different ones, there's all different kinds. We can, we can create an idol out of work. We can create an idol out of accomplishment. We can, you know, there's many, many things. I was talking to a group of people today and I was telling them how I looked at my news app on my iPad this morning and I could not find a news article that was not based on a celebrity. A celebrity being an athlete, a political star, or a movie star or something like that. Every story was related to some type of uh, celebrity. Our, our culture is being defined by that and our worship, we spend our time looking at those things, we spend our time thinking about those things, that is a form of adoration. We give glory and honor, and, and not that, you know, some of that's not, not deserved, but we have overdone it in our culture to where, uh, you know, whatever, uh, whatever Jordan Spieth's wearing on the golf course is what we're all gonna wear on the golf course, or whatever, whoever it is is wearing in her, in, her attire, women won't dress like that. These things just lord over us. And I think this is something that God's trying to break out of us because he's a jealous God. He wants to be the focus of our worship. And so he's doing these things. But we should recognize while the events that are happening in the world today, hurricanes, volcanoes, earthquakes, the pandemic, uh, everything that's coming our way is the ways of God to bring man back to him in hopes of reconciling him fully uh, to the original intent of God. And so that, that is the, that's the fourth horseman. But I want, to, I want to take you back and also just briefly remind you of the first, second, and third horseman. If you remember, the first horseman was a rider on a... On a uh, white horse and we have identified him as one who brings deception the ways of Satan Satan began with Adam and Eve by deceiving them in the garden he deceived Cain he you know he's deceived man all along the way and he'll deceive you and I we know him to be the father of all lies the great deceiver uh, our enemy he has it in for us so he will subtly slip these things into us. 
we need to remember, Sam Solon's told me for 20 years now, that the judgment of God always begins with the house of God. Now, when God tests and judges things in us, He's basically, you know, tests are, tests are typically used for one of two things, to show you what you don't know or to demonstrate to you what you do know. God many times will test us just like we, we do quality samples on metal or whatever. God will test us to see if we can handle, if we're ready to handle the glory that he wants to put on us. So the, the body of Christ, the children of God, the sons of God, the house of God will be subject to being tested about deception. And really what he's testing there is to see, do we love the truth? Because if, our, if we love the truth enough, we'll not be subject to this deception. It'll not come into us. So God is testing us, and we need to be aware that while he's, while he's working it in the world, he's also working it in the, in the house of God. And so when his deception comes at us, our love of the truth is going to be what rescues us and is going to be what gives God confidence in our ability to carry his glory. The second horseman uh, was a red horse, and he was given a sword, but we, we called him the man of aggression or division, that there would be division, uh, that he would be given authority to bring division to the earth. Well, it's very easy to look into our streets, see the riots, see the racial tension, see all that, and see how the world, uh, politically, ethnically, you know, about every way you can imagine, is becoming more and more divided. There's all this kind of division. But once again, I would submit to you that God is testing the house of God, too. There's a potential for that, that, those things of the world to seep into the house of God and cause division. We'll have... Uh, political discussions or we'll have ethnic discussions that would potentially bring division into the body of Christ. Back back up, once again, the love of the truth will prevent that from happening. The, the love of the truth will not allow a spirit of division to come among the people of God. For 1,700 years we've watched this happen. This church divided, church divided, church divided. But we're coming to a place where we need to be tested so that we can stand against a spirit of division that would, would try and divide us. Once again, when we do, love of the truth, moving forward uh, without division will help God, uh, will, will demonstrate to God our ability to carry His glory. Remember how we're going to carry it as one body of Christ that we're baptized into one body and we all look like, reflect the character and nature of God. And so uh, there can be no division. He, oneness is what he's striving for. It's what Paul teaches. We're striving toward being one in Christ. And so we, we have got to fight against the uh, spirit of division that would come in here. The third horse was... Um, the uh, seal that broke there came into famine, dealt with the economy that was going on, and a spirit of lack, if you will, 
in the world. We're seeing that begin to happen in our world, famine in different places, people in great need. The pandemic, even in the United States, I, I read today they're anticipating, I think it was 22 million people to be evicted next month. Uh, there, there is a real need coming up. <clears throat> our failure as the people of God is, has been we have not embraced the economy of God. We have not totally given to one another as each had need, had concern for those in need. Uh, we have often neglected the widows and orphans would be the conviction that uh, God would put on us. Because we have failed, there, there is not a lack of resources in the earth. God, God put enough resources in the earth. We're not lacking anything there. But the manner in which we administrate it, the economy under which we administrate it, is inaccurate. The economy of the world promotes greed, jealousy, envy, uh, the building of bigger barns to store stuff up. But people are hoarding unto themselves while their neighbor, either next door or in the next country, excuse me, is in need. I believe God is calling us back. This is part of the repentance we need is to repent and come back to the economy of God where you know we actually are giving to one another as each had need. Much of the problem of this goes back to not not loving the truth and not trusting God. We really, we all say we as the children of God all say God's my provision, but we panic about what's going on in our financial world, even though we say God is our, our provision. God is restoring us to a place of trusting Him totally. And it is His intent to feed us with daily bread, just like He did the, the nation of Israel in the desert. And for us to not only receive and be content with that, but to acknowledge and trust Him in it to trust totally that he will give us our daily bread every day. And so he's building our faith. Faith is a gift from God, and he builds our faith by exercising or testing us in these ways so that when we walk through it, we can see it and know, and we acknowledge fully that he is the living God and he's capable of these things. So basically, over the last two weeks, what I would ask you to consider is simply that the things that are going on in the earth or in the world certainly are under the hand of God. God is, God is the creator of all things. Everything that exists came out of him. Uh, nothing exists that he didn't create. And so everything that's going on in the earth is under his supervision at this point. So we have to ask ourselves, what is the purpose in it? Why is God doing these things? And I, I say it's multifold purpose. Number one is to test us in one line and see how far we've come. How far have we matured in the things of God? How much of his character are we conditioned to carry? In the areas where we possibly fail the test, God is calling us to repentance to a place to be restored to his original intent in us, to, to come back to his ways, to acknowledge his ways. We've talked about how in Roman, 
in Romans describes what a culture will be like if you fail to retain God in your knowledge. We're there. Our, the culture of the world has all but denied the, even the existence of God. And so our, our cult, the culture of the world is there. The culture of our kingdom is still of God. But we have to bring ourselves into agreement. So God is trying to restore it. He's trying to test us to see how qualified we are. But at the same time, he's using these events to reconcile us unto him and to his ways. And just as surely as God had a better plan for the nation of Israel when they came out of Egypt, God has a better plan for us. But we, as I was saying last week, we tend to wrestle against him, opposing, wanting to go back to what we know, go back to what's comfortable, go back to the last best day that we had. That's what we call restoration. We want to get back to that when there's really a better game plan ahead for us all, and we need to trust God. Now, I, I would encourage you on an individual basis to ask God what false idols might possibly exist in your life and be willing to lay them down. What, what things of the world might lord over us so that we might lay them down? And in what ways are we wrestling against God leading us into the promised land, into a life that flows with milk and honey? What's holding us back from trusting him enough to go his way? Examine it in your own life. Lay it down. Ask God to show you what he's, what he's doing in the world this day in hopes that we as as one body of Christ might come together and acknowledge his goodness and walk in his ways so that the world might see his glory in this day and time. Okay?